in ways that only your Holy Spirit can accomplish, the power sent from God. Let me bring you to the first Easter. Let me bring you to Luke's Gospel, 24th chapter. Let me share with you, it's the afternoon. Jesus has been busy that morning. Risen from the dead, he appears to the women. Then he appears to Simon Peter. Then he appears to 500 brothers gathered together. Prior to that, he's appeared to his brother James. And after that, uh, there are two that are walking on the road to Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem to that village. They are disciples of our Lord. Some believe that one of them is a female, the sister of Mary, who is married to a man named Cleopas, because Luke identifies the individual who is with this other disciple. Jesus joins them on the road, and here is where I want to bring Scripture. That same day, two of them going to a village called Emmaus, they're talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talk and discuss these things about Jesus, Jesus himself comes up and walks with them, but they are kept from recognizing him. Jesus asks a question, What are you discussing as you're walking? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? How can you not know the things that have happened in that city these past days? What things, Jesus asked. The things about Jesus of Nazareth, let me tell you about him. He was a prophet powerful in his word and deeds before God. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. Some of our women amazed us this morning. They went to the tomb. They didn't find his body. They came and told us that angels had said he was alive. Then some of us went to the tomb and found it as the women had said, but we did not see Jesus. Then Jesus spoke to them. How foolish you two are. How slow of heart to believe all that the Old Testament prophets have written. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things? And did not the Christ, after he suffered, did he not then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in the Scriptures concerning himself. As they came to the village, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him, they say, stay with us, it's nearly evening, day is almost over, it wouldn't be safe to you travel further. So Jesus went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke the bread and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized who it was. He disappeared immediately from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven. The eleven said, it is true, the Lord is risen. He appeared to Simon Peter. And then these two disciples told them what had happened on the road and how Jesus was recognized when he broke the bread. Palm Sunday was something, right? Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, oh my goodness, Easter, something, right? 
I come walking in Palm Sunday afternoon and I see the palms. And I come Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday and Easter. I come before you guys come. And when I look, even after 42 years of being graced by God to be a part of the ministry pertaining to those holy days, I still get goosebumps at my advanced age. I still get goosebumps when those days come because it's what my eyes see, what my ears hear. The same with you. We sing hymns on Palm Sunday. We never sing again until the next one. Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter. We sing the hymns. The drums are playing. The music is loud. The choirs are singing. The message pertains. The Scriptures that are read then and only then. We are moved by the things that our eyes see and our ears hear. Look at the flowers carefully. They're more wilted than they were a week ago. And next week, a lot of them are going to be gone because they're going to be dead. Look at them carefully. If your life, your excitement, your joys, your passions are connected with what you see, then heed the words of the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 4.18, Don't fix your eyes on the things which are seen. They are temporal. They will go away. They'll disappear. They'll change. Don't fix your eyes on the things which are seen. Don't fix them on your health. That's going to change. Don't fix them on your relationships. That loved one won't be here forever. Don't fix your eyes on your job. That's here and there. Don't fix your eyes on the things which are seen. Not health, not finances, not jobs, not relationships. Fix your eyes on the thing not seen. And the thing not seen is the same individual created this universe, the same individual who raised Jesus from the dead. Fix your eyes on the things not seen. And then if I ask you, is it different this week? You say, no, not different at all. The same invisible power is alive and well. He's already coursed through my life these last six days. Let me tell you what He's done in the last six days since I celebrated Easter Sunday here. Let me tell you what He's done. You're not talking about flowers or choirs or drums or anything else. You're talking about this invisible power of God. And how is it manifest? Holy Spirit. How is it man the Holy Spirit? God creates Jesus right by His side. Then they say to the Holy Spirit, begin your work. And when God says that there be light, the Holy Spirit descends with what? With all the power of God. And the Holy Spirit says animals, plants, sun, moon, stars. And if you look at plants and animals, sun, moon, and stars, you're looking at the wrong thing because you should be looking at the power of the Holy Spirit that has created it all. And as the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 12, no one can say Jesus is Lord except through the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing's changed. I hope the bulletin means something to you, the bulletin cover. Because as the Holy Spirit teaches you all things. And now, since I am almost 68 years of age, I have been on this earth that amount of time. 
And every year that's gone by, save for the years where the faith is not what it should have been, and we all go through those stages as did those in the Bible, every year the circumstances come in my life and in yours, and I'm blessed to be able to participate in the circumstances that come into your life because I can bring you what other Christians can bring you, the power and peace and message that God is involved in that circumstance that you're going through. Spirit comes and He teaches you all things about purposes of life and circumstances and what they mean and why God has allowed them teaches you all things. There's a Gulf Stream. Starts in the Gulf of Mexico, winds around, goes up the east coast of North America. You can't see it. Goes out into the Atlantic Ocean, disperses. It affects the climate on uh, Western Europe and the eastern side of the United States. You cannot see it as great power. It only moves five miles an hour when you're moving through oceans of water. That's pretty fast. Only moves five miles an hour, but that's 300 times faster than the Amazon River flows. So powerful is the Gulf Stream that it transports four billion cubic feet of water per second, an amount that is greater than every river in the world combined. You cannot see the Gulf Stream, but it affects climates. The only place you can see it is off the coast of North Carolina where the shelf is low and the stream is powerful. And you see all these rip tides and whirlpools and you sit and say, what in the world is that? And the locals tell you, that's the Gulf Stream. And no one goes out there and no ship ever goes that close to the Gulf Stream or they'll be devoured called the Gulf Stream, it flex climates. There's another stream, it encircles the entire world. It's called the Jet Stream. Some places on this earth, it travels 85 miles an hour. That's as slow as it gets. Other places, it travels 290 miles per hour. And as it encircles the globe, it affects the climates greatly. If the jet stream did not exist, the equator would be the same as Antarctica, quite frankly, because that's the moderation of the temperatures and the weather. You cannot see the jet stream, and yet its effects can be felt. Did not Jesus say to Thomas, Blessed are those who don't see me, yet they believe in me. They are in transition, uh, the man and his wife, Cleopas and his wife. They're in transition. They have put all their eggs in the basket called Jesus. They've seen his miracles. They say we're back in the right guy. They, like the disciples, they, like the 10,000 people on the hillside, when he fed those 10,000, they have one thing in their mind, earthly kingdom. We're going to be part of it. Rome, enjoy what you're doing, because when he's finished, you're going to be done. They're in transition. Jesus joins them. And they said we had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. But he's crucified. He's dead. 
Some women said they saw him. Simon Peter said they saw him. They're in transition. Jesus comes. Are you and I ever in transition? Forget the word ever. (laughs) I will tell you always. We're always in transition. She called two days ago. She's been asking me for three years to keep me in the prayers because she and her husband have been trying to have a baby. So for three years, she has continued to say, are you praying for me, are you praying for me, are you praying for me? And I say, yeah, I'm praying for you. God's will be done. And she leaves a message a couple of days ago, just getting back, and, and the message is, Pastor, I'm pregnant. And then her next statement was, will you pray for me? Because <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be a good mom, and he doesn't know whether he's going to be a good dad. Will you pray for me? <laughs> Their life is in transition. She called yesterday. She said, book it. I said, what do you want me to book? She said, my wedding, June 2022. I said, I'll book it. Her life is in transition. Gentleman in our church, he'd been working for 30 years. He's going to retire at the end of this month. His life is in transition. His wife's life is in a greater transition. What am I going to do with him around the house all day long? Figure out some hobby. Our lives are always in transition. When I'm down in Florida on Tuesday, within one hour, three messages. Within one hour, three different messages. My husband has dementia. Ten minutes later, another message. She, my wife, you know her age. Well, she's got cancer. And within 15 minutes after that, would you pray for me, Pastor? Boss just called me in and said, COVID can't keep everybody with tears in his eyes, Pastor. At least he had tears in his eyes when he said, I'm going to have to let you go. And whenever these things come, and this family is involved, the first thing I ever do after I say, oh my goodness, first thing I ever do is pray. Why? Because when we pray, we're touching the Gulf Stream of God. We're touching the jet stream of God. The Apostle Paul calls it the dynamis of God. The energy of God. He says, reach up and touch the energy of God. He says, don't ignore the energy of God. He said, if you try and go through life without the energy of God, you will be left flat with nothing. Don't waste the dynamis of God. And that's why I pray, and that's why you pray for me and for each other. Because whenever we pray, we're touching this dynamis of God. Jesus talked about it, John 7:38. He said, streams of living water will flow from God. The dynamis of God, the Gulf Stream of God will flow down and enter your life. And then Jesus said, it won't stay there. It's not possible, too powerful. It'll burst forth from you. And those streams of living water will touch other people's lives. And then it says, by this Jesus meant the Holy Spirit 
whom those who believed in him would later receive, they had not yet received it because he had not yet ascended up into heaven. The dimness of God, the Holy Spirit, coming into the transitions of our life. Listen carefully. It says in the reading that Jesus breathed upon them the Holy Spirit on Easter. Breathed upon them the Holy Spirit. That's a powerful force. What did the Holy Spirit do for them? Not much. Because ten days later, I mean, they're for, they're for an extra week so Thomas can see them. And I'm sure Tuesday or Wednesday of that week, they are heading up north. Are they fishing for men? No, they're fishing for fish. And Matthew says, I better clean off my tax collecting books. I haven't looked at this in three years. I wonder if I have to take a test before I can get back into the union. They're back to their normal life. Jesus three times in 40 days has to walk up there to engage with them because they're not in Jerusalem. And the last time he sees them, he says to them, do me a favor. I'm going to meet you on that mountainside in Galilee. Be there. And at least they have the courtesy to put the tax books away and the fishing poles away, and they go meet him. And Jesus says to them, Do me one more favor. Acts 1.8 Go to Jerusalem. Don't you dare go back up to the fishing village. Go to Jerusalem, wait there for ten days, and when you have waited for ten days, the power from on high, that's the word he uses. In the Greek, the dynamis from on high will come upon you. The Gulf Stream, the Death Stream, the streams of living water will come upon you. And then he said to them, here's what's going to happen. Your fishing careers are done. You'll not be fishing for animals in the ocean. You'll be fishing for two-legged people that I bring across your path. Some of you here in Jerusalem, some in Galilee, some in Samaria, some to the utter ends of the earth. That's what the dynamis of God does. Before the day is out, you got Simon Peter preaching in that temple in front of at least 3,000 people, including those who had murdered Jesus. And he says, you murdered him. God raised him from the dead. There is salvation in no one else. 3,000 come to the faith. Acts chapter 6, many of the priests involved in his execution... Uh, Many of those who spoke against him, many of the priests came to the faith. Why did they come to the faith? Not because of a Gulf Stream that affects the climate for Pete's sake. They came to the faith because this Spirit from God that created this universe, that puts a sperm and an egg together, this Spirit came upon them. 3,000 come to the faith. And within six weeks... 15,000 Jews have come to the faith. And 2,000 years later, you do not have 12 believers in Christ. You have 2.8 billion people on this planet whom the Holy Spirit has come upon and declare Him as Lord. Transitions. Do you go through them alone? I'm not asking whether you're married. I say, do you go through them alone? I'm not asking whether you have a set of friends. I say, do you go through them alone? I'm not asking whether you belong to a small group. I'm asking, do you go through the transitions alone? You say to me, no, 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 man, I got a good friend. 
didn't ask that. I got a really good therapist. They're out there, God be praised, but he didn't ask that. Do you go through your transitions alone? Heading off to high school, heading off to college, heading off to the first job, getting ready for retirement, dealing with cancer, dealing with the death of a loved one, dealing with the loss of a job. Now I've got a new job. It's better than the old one I had. Oh, I've got a good wife, got a good husband. We talk about this stuff all the time. Not asking that. Him. Him. Jesus. They're on the road going through a transition. Who joins them? Who just pops up out of the blue? Jesus. Who pops up out of the blue in your transitions? Same guy. Jesus. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil. Because he's with me in the transition. And if you don't have him, as the Apostle Paul said, you are just just totally flat and dead. Closing word. He joined them. What did he do? He opened up his mouth. What came out of his mouth? This. The word of the prophets. Directly stating, didn't you read he had to suffer? And didn't you read, after he suffered, he would rise to glory? I can't tell you how many times in almost 45 years of marriage that Connie has put a portals of prayer devotion or a devotion from somebody else right smack on the breakfast table. And she has said with excitement, Paul, you got to read this. It's exactly what we're going through, what you're going through, is exactly what it is. How many times have you read a devotion connected with God's Word? How many times have you opened up the Scripture? How many times have you said when Shower and Strand preach, are you spying on us? How did you know what was going on? It was like God just brought that message to me. What does God use this? Not one or two promises, not a hundred. Try 7,000. Try 7,000 promises from the one who brings streams of living water straight into your heart and life. And that's what he uses. Speaks to you through his word and his promises. Be it a hymn or a choir or a sermon or a small group. This is what he uses. Streams of living water in you. You gotta let them flow forth. At your work, on the commuter train, in the neighborhood, in the family that you've married into, you've gotta let those streams flow forth. Because you are his hands and his feet. And His Spirit dwells in you. Flowers won't be here next week. But the power of God, it will never, never, never stop flowing. Bring Him. 
through the working of the Holy Spirit. And he will say to you what he said three times in one week. He'll say, peace be with you. In our risen Savior's name, amen.